Support for today's show comes from Locker Room, the best place to talk sports. Make sure to follow me on Locker Room at Jake Reiner, and I'll invite you to chat on my weekly baseball room, uniquely titled Meeting on the Mound. Download Locker Room for free on the Apple App Store today and join the conversation. I am really excited to talk with my next guest for a true meeting on the mound. This is actually the first pitcher or former pitcher I've had on the show. It's former MLB pitcher Joel Pinheiro. Joel, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Of course. So for those of you that don't know, Joel had a 12-year big league career. He was drafted by the Mariners in 1997, played six seasons in Seattle. He also spent major league time with the Red Sox, Cardinals, and Angels, and a bunch of other organizations as well. He had 104 career wins as a starting pitcher, and he joins me today. So, Joel, uh, give me your thoughts so far on this season. One of the reasons I want to bring you wanted to bring you on is is to talk about pitching. And it seems as though in 2021, that has been the big storyline is that pitching has dominated this league. And as a former pitcher, I just want to get your initial thoughts on what you've seen so far this season. Well, from what I've seen personally, I think it's just whole launch angle and guys trying to hit the balls out of the ballpark and. Not too many hitters have a two-strike approach anymore. Everybody, you know, is like going for the doubles. They don't, we don't even butt that much anymore. So it's just they're looking for that one hit, that big hit, that kind of, you know, it plays in the pitcher's advantage because then they're going to chase the pitches you want to throw instead of, you know, throwing that good curveball or slider down away, thinking they're going to go the other way. Now they just throw the fastball up in the zone, see if you can hit it. Let's see how far you can hit it. And that's why I think the pitching is being a little more dominated because – I'm not saying the hitters don't have a good strategy or a good approach, but it's not the same as it was back in the day. And what do you mean by back in the day? I mean, obviously, when, when you were playing? Yeah, like I mean, more, more hit and runs, more bunts. You were thinking of more situational stuff that was going to happen from either the fifth, sixth, seventh, eight-hole hitter, you know, trying to put things in motion, going that first to third on a, on a ball hit the other way. Now it's just double, double, base hit, home run. And then, I mean, next thing you know, you put up a four spot on the board, and that's fine. But then, then you get your strikeups, they come up, you know, you, you might get four or five hits, but you're stricken out already 10, 10 times in the game. Right. And what Major League Baseball is trying to get away from is this sort of feast or famine style of hitting where you, you're either hitting a home run or you're taking a walk or you're striking out. It's sort of the, yeah. that three true outcomes that they're looking at. So like I said, pitching, pitching has been dominant. We've seen already an insane amount of no hitters. I think there's been like seven or so, and it looks like, you know, we're, we're on pace to, to break that by a lot this year. Um, what do you think has been the biggest reason why we've seen so many no hitters? I'll tell you what, and I was going over with my son earlier. It's like, think about it out of the, cause I count, Madison Gardner is a no-hitter to me. You Oh, you do? Okay. It's, it's I, I, not I, his fault that they put a double-header game that he went, had to go seven innings. That's right. MLB put that, right? It wasn't he wanted to pitch seven innings. It was MLB that said the double-header to go seven innings. So I count but Madison Gardner, Bumgarner, as a no-hitter because I know how hard that is to, to, to do it, you know, even if it's a seven-inning game. So, But the funny thing is, four out of those seven guys right now are in the I.L., 
You know what I mean? It's something that I was looking at. I was like, maybe it's had something to do with it. They're, they're putting so much stress on their arms, so they're trying to do too much. And then uh, most of the guys have a lot of strikeouts, you know, and then that's why the pitch chances are up. But it, it's been something that's been amazed of how, the, how many no hitters, you know what I mean? You get soft tossing guys and then you get hard throwers like Rondon or guys that throw tons of sliders like Musgrove, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's crazy. It, it, yeah. It's amazing. Do you think though, because we've seen so many no hitters so far that it kind of takes away from the feat of throwing a no hitter? Like it's sort of, it's so, it looks like it's now so commonplace. Yeah. <laughs> now I was like, oh, this guy gives up two or three hits and what's going on? You know, now they expect it, but, now, if you look at it the other way, how many non-pitchers have pitched this year? I think there's been too many early in the year. Like position guys, players. Position players that have thrown in games because, I mean, they don't want to keep wasting the arm. Alstudijus has like three outings already. You I know. know I was going to say, he, he's he's a part of the, the Twins rotation at this point. Honestly, you can count him as a two-way guy. <laughs> you know, you get yeah. that, but, but it's crazy how it's gone both ways. You either It's either all or nothing. You know what I mean? That's That's the way it's going right now. Do you think it, it takes away from the difficulty of throwing a no-hitter b- because it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but we're yeah. seeing so many more of them. No, like I said, it does. It does. Like I said, they, you know, some pitches might stick to two pitches, fastballs up and then sliders down in the dirt. And most of the time they're going to swing at it. Guys are not walking as much as they were before. So they're, you know, which it was different. When I was pitching, my mentality was in the first three pitches, that hitter's either going back to the dugout or he's on base. You know what I mean? I don't. I didn't want to waste time and trying to paint the corners. It was either I'm going to make a good quality pitch, and then the first three pitches, that guy was either on base or back walking to the dugout. You know, I didn't want to mess around. But right. now, you know, now I, if I don't think I could pitch nowadays with my sinker and the stuff that I threw, it's you know I don't think I would have been able to last long mm, in today's game. That's interesting. But now it's all you get guys throwing 95, 96 like nothing. You know, 98. So it's right. a different ball game. It's a, young, it's a young man's ballgame. Definitely. And I think that uh, one of the reasons we've seen so many no-hitters and and a big reason why you know the, the, the league-wide batting average is the lowest it's ever been, the strikeout rate is through the roof, is in due in large part, there's a couple of factors, right? There's the fact that they keep tinkering with the baseball. There's a new baseball in play. They tried to deaden the baseball. They didn't want as many home runs. Now they're get, not getting anything, right? They wanted yeah. to put balls in play, but... You know, guys, like you were talking about, the approach to the plate is is all about launch angle, and so a bunch of these balls are dying at the at the warning track. Um, you've also got MLB trying to crack down on foreign substances on the baseball, and we're you know now we're in June and we're expecting to see you know the the rules being rolled out once again, and also along with the enforcement. So there there will be more pitchers being checked during games and if you are found to put foreign substance on the baseball you could face a 10 game suspension so i guess my question to you is about foreign substance because this has been something that's been going on in the game for a long time and we're not just talking about like rosin like you got you got a rosin bag on the mound and you can mix that with sunscreen and you can get some extra grip on the ball and i don't think any of the hitters would balk at that because they want pitchers to be able to control the baseball but what we're seeing is a little bit more than that is like teams coming up with different formulas. They're using scientists to try and come up with the right sticky formula to to not only grip the baseball, but to add RPM. But the spin rate. And it's just it's a matter of that's where the game has gone now. I mean, 
I, I sent out a tweet earlier this year when this whole, you know, rosin or whatever, pine tire. I said, you know what? Why doesn't MLB and the Players Association come up with an approved substance that they allow? You know, that now, now if a pitcher uses something else, then they're, they're not using what they're supposed to do. Then they get busted or they get whatever precautionary you know, results are, ha- are happening. But I think they should come up with something because, like you said, I never learned personally to pitch with a lot of sticky stuff. The only thing I used, you said, it was a rosin bag and some shaving cream. When, like, when it got sweaty or whatever, I wanted to feel more control of the ball. But I, I tried it. I'm not going to lie. I threw some bullpens back in the day with some – I just personally, the way I pitched, my sinker, it, it wasn't for me. I never learned how to use it really. So, but I think the MLB and the Players Association should come up with even the umpires. Bring the umpires in. You know, the, you know, the association of the umpires for something substance that it's approved, so that they all can use it. Because it, this is not going to go away. And in the, if you talk about it, high school level, college level, you know, minor leagues and in the big leagues, it's something that is. <laughs> and I know it's been, you know it's it's there. So how are you going to clean that out? It's it's tough. Well, you said you used some of that stuff in a bullpen session. Was that something that you thought of to try yourself, or was were did some of your teammates sort of suggest that to a you? A little bit or? of both, little bit of both. I, you know, it was like, man, this guy's doing. Let me see if I can. And it's just, I trust me, I would. I've never learned. I wish I would have. But back in the day, they didn't care about spin rate or this and that. So we weren't looking for that. What we were looking for is maybe we thought about it differently, a little more bite, a little more cut on the, you know, which that was our mentality, or a little more drop on the curveball. Now it's like, no, the spin rate has to go from 24 to 27. And it's like, wait a minute, that's where science has gone. So that's why it's taking these younger pitchers and younger guys. Okay, maybe I do need to use that to make my pitches better. When it, in fact, maybe you don't. All you need to maybe get a little more extension on your arm or just shorten your stride or something mechanically that'll make you have that good pitch. So, it, it, you know, but right. that's what going on. That's and, in, and in some of the reports that have come out, uh, most notably in the in Sports Illustrated and on ESPN, is that they've interviewed a bunch of people anonymously, a bunch of minor league players or a bunch of pitchers that um, aren't aren't like the star pitchers on the team, um, and they're saying that they have no problem using whatever stuff they can find because a it's not being regulated, it's not being enforced, and, and b they got to keep their jobs. And if they don't, then they risk being, you know, sent back down to the minors or their career just ends right there. And they'll, you know, teams will find other guys out there that will have the appropriate amount of spin on the ball that that can replace these guys. So it 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 does make sense to some extent. And it kind of does a little bit parallel the um, the steroid era where you had a bunch of guys taking steroids or performance enhancing drugs. And then you had a bunch of other guys on the side saying like, well, geez, you know, if these guys are taken, I might as well take it too, because that's where the money is. And that's where the jobs are. And I think you're seeing sort of the, the same kind of issues come up here. Wouldn't you say? Honestly, now that you mentioned, I think this might be worse than the steroids. Cause like I said, it's going back further back. Like, like I said, at the high school level, at the college level. And then from there, I mean, like, I've seen it. So it's just a matter of like, you're a guy in the college or at the, you know, A ball, double A, and you're pitching with this, pitching with that. Then next you get called to the big leagues. Now you can't use anything. Your pitches are not going to be the same. Mentally, you're not going to be the same because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go out there to pitch. I don't have this. I don't have that. And that's, like you said, there goes your career. So it's just a matter of like, if hopefully they do come up with something that it goes all the way approved through, through the minor leagues. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say that 
this this stuff is is even worse, like you said, even worse than steroids in in terms of giving you an edge, the right? Edge, yes, the edge, exactly. Because steroids obviously are are bad for your body, whereas this is not bad for your body. It's just you you know you wash your hands at the end of the game. But where do you stand on this on this issue of we always every time the Hall of Fame comes up for a vote, these issues come up, especially with with guys like Barry Bonds who. Barry Bonds, for all intents and purposes, was never caught, was never suspended for using steroids, although, you know, he'd later, you know, it later came out that he was and then you could kind of see what, you know, his the the, the changes in his body and, and sort of the changes in his stats. You can kind of, you know, infer what happened there. But for guys like that who were never caught versus guys that were like like Manny Ramirez, who was caught and was suspended multiple times. I understand the argument of not letting guys like Manny Ramirez into the Hall of Fame because they were suspended for it. But for guys like Barry Bonds, who weren't, I may, you know, give an exception to that. Where do you stand on, I, I on that, on that argument? I said I, I play with Manny, I, I, you know, at Boston. And then I've seen Barry Bonds and they're great athletes. They were great hitters. I mean, sometimes you're up there, you're facing, I faced Barry Bonds a couple times for spring training. It was like, you know, then you're facing Manny Ramirez. And it's just, they're such great athletes and hitters that, I mean, obviously, their personal stuff that they did or whatever, but like you said, them not being caught, I think it's something that they put up the numbers, they broke the records, they did what they had to do, and obviously they got penalized for it later on. But I guess in, in a stuff, like I said, because I knew Manny, I talked to Manny, and I still my kid played with his kid in a tournament in, down in Fort Myers last year. It's just a matter of, it, it, you know, it's tough. But I think if you haven't been caught or haven't been doing nothing, I think you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And that goes for pitchers as well with for this, pitchers, oh, with yeah. sticky stuff. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yes, I gotta yeah. support my pitchers. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I, I think I think that's probably where the line is because yeah. for the longest time, you know, growing up as a fan of the game, when you know I grew up in you know while the steroid era was was happening, uh, and and you pitched kind of in that same era that 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 those sa- that same era. I, I I always thought. Like, oh, if you use steroids, you're, you're done. You're 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 done in my book. You you you're never you're never gonna get into the Hall of Fame. You know, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. I don't care who it is. You know, if you ended up in the Mitchell Report, you're not going into the Hall of Fame. But as I've gotten older, I've I've sort of thought about it. And when you have these rules in place, these rules are no good if you don't enforce them. Yeah. And so when guys were using steroids for the longest time, there were no you know, there was no enforcement of it. Oh, exactly. There was nothing, no rules. There was no enforcement, like you said, you know. It, like I said, it all started with that little pit bottle that McGuire or somebody had in the in the locker room or whatever it was, but he was doing something that it was not, it was something to get, you know, get stronger and bigger. Nothing wrong with it. It was right. supposed to be, and that's how it all started. It started boiling down and then from Conseco and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it. I, they, like I said, there was not no legal judgment or saying or no no restrictions or why you couldn't use that stuff so, yes everybody right. knew it was bad for their bodies but you know exactly and and the one thing i i wanted to touch on to kind of round this out is guys like trevor bauer because trevor bauer has been sort of spotlighted uh in this whole sticky stuff controversy because in 2018 he was very outspoken about um calling guys out like Garrett Cole uh, when he went over from the Pirates to the Astros. And his, you know, you look at his stats, you look at his RPMs, and and they have increased pretty steadily over the years. And I think, you know, 
he sort of looked at this and said, well, well, if they're not going to enforce it, you know, let's, you know, let, let, let's try this out because you only pitch in the major leagues for so long. You might yeah. as well do what you can to get at a competitive advantage so that you can make your money and then you can retire happily. Right. But he also came out and said recently that he wants there to be a play, even playing field. He wants, like you were suggesting, if if Major League Baseball comes out and says, here is the substance that we have come up with that you can use across baseball if you go you know, beyond this substance and you're found to have been you know, using whatever concoction you come up with, you're going to get hammered for it. I agree with. Let's put these guys on, a pl- on an even playing field because if, if not you're you're going to have you know an uncontrolled thing that's kind of going out of control no definitely that's why the hitters are oh, i gotta use a little pine tar so the bat doesn't slip out of my hands well the pitcher's hands start sweating a lot and that's why maybe they want some little substance or to kind of have a better grip and then so that ball doesn't get away like the hitters used to spray or when when the hitters the bat goes into the stance whether they, they get the sticky and they go oh let me get some more you know it happens to the pitchers too and they're wearing batting gloves you know the hitters are wearing batting gloves you know, the hitters got nothing. So that's why, that's why I guess what Brower's saying. If we come up with something that we could all use and there was no rules for it before, why, why can't we just make it work, you know? Right. And you said his numbers did increase. And then it's – you can't lie because his numbers did increase every year because they were doctoring every pitch, every whatever outing start. So it, that's how it definitely said, you know what, this works. Let me use it also. <laughs> Do you, and finally, do you consider this cheating? I mean, do you consider pitchers trying to, to find some sort of concoction, whether it's that spider tack or whatever they've thrown out there? Do you, do you, con, you know, consider this cheating? No, I do not consider it cheating. I think it's something to have a better grip to make my pitches better, but it's not like, you know, you know, I'm cutting the baseball up or I'm putting, you know, whatever. It is. I don't know. I don't find it as it's cheating. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to control the ball a little longer in the zone or whatever it is. I, I don't yeah. think it's to answer your question. Mm-hmm. But what about, to, what about, I mean, I mean, what they're saying is, and, and hitters have come out and complained about this is that the, you know, the, the ball is spinning so fast. You can't tell whether it's a fastball or a curveball anymore. And you don't even know, like I, I read a quote from Charlie Blackman of the Rockies where he was essentially saying that he can't anticipate where the ball is going to go. So he'll swing basically away from the baseball. (laughs) Right. Where he thinks the ball is going to end up, but he doesn't know. Um, Does that constitute cheating when you, when you're basically affecting the ball so much that it's impossible to hit? I mean, like I said, I've basically never thrown a pitch nowadays with all this stuff that they're using now, but to me, that's it goes back to their whole like their the whole launch angle or their exit velo. They're looking for that extension on the ball. I mean, if I make my good pitcher down down away a good sinker or a good slider down in the dirt, I mean, and they're saying they can't recognize it. That's, I mean, I don't think I, I think I just made a good pitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, Joel. So I I I wanted to talk to you about the 2001 Mariners team, the historic 116 win team. No other team in a 162 game season has uh, amassed that many wins before. So you were on that team. You started 11 games that season. You went six and two with a 2.03 ERA. What was that team like? What was it like playing on that team? I always think back and I look and I, and I think about that era of Mariners baseball because the Mariners before that season had, 
you know, Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson and Alex Rodriguez. And as soon as all three of those guys left was when that 2001 team kind of was born and you had and you had Ichiro Suzuki and, and the rest of the, the the amazing team, Brett Boone on that team as well. Um, I think Edgar Martinez was still on the team at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had you on there and, and a bunch of other guys. So what was that? What was playing on that team like? I, I'll tell you one second. I just I've been I've been coming up with some more stuff. I'll get back to you. But I was like. You can't blame everything on, like, say, the, for the pitchers for their sticky stuff. Nowadays, with this whole uh, report, the escrodranic, the cameras, and then they're, you know, the development of pitchers, because there's guys that probably don't use anything, and their pitches are still nasty. Their pitches are still good. So everything cannot be blamed, because there's guys that probably are not using it. And then some guys are not, but it's just the whole pitchers being dominant is because of the, the advanced scout and analysts that everybody's got on hitters nowadays, too. So well, I you make just, yeah, you make a good point there too because there was some controversy. The reports are off the hook now. Yeah, you know? I mean there were, there was some controversy the other day. Uh, someone on Twitter posted a video of Jacob Degrom. Uh, you know, it looked like maybe he was you know fiddling with his belt or with his glove that he was using, maybe maybe loading up the baseball. And essentially, all of his Mets teammates came out on Twitter defending him, saying that he doesn't cheat. He's just a freak of nature, and he's you know not from this planet. Essentially, well, and, he averaged one hundred and point five miles an hour the other day in his last start. Like, I mean, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, one hundred point five. He averaged on a fastball. Right. Yeah. So that kind of goes along with what your point is: is that there yeah. are some pitchers that are just they don't need it, yeah. and they're just that some guys good. are just filthy without the th- sticky stuff. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Then, so going back to Seattle, I just received a, a letter like a newsletter saying, cause it's the 20 year anniversary. Right. For the whole, and it was funny. My wife and we were talking about, Oh, I just received this email like two weeks ago. And then it's kind of funny just seeing all the pictures. We had nine all-stars that year from, you know, Freddie Garcia. And I, I completely forgot. I was the winning pitcher of that game. One sixteen. I, I came in relief in the fourth and fifth inning. Cause we, if I'm not mistaken, Danny Stark started. And then we just did a whole bullpen game and I threw the fourth and fifth. And I got the win, and it was kind of crazy. So, you know, I went back to the fan graph or stat graph trying to look for it, and it was there. I was like, oh, wow, I completely forgot about that. Wow. So that's kind of fun. But that team, it was – that was a veteran team. That that year, I think we only had three rookies that were dressing up, and it was Ichiro, Brian Franklin, and myself. So it, it's, it was an older group, you know. Yes, young guys came up in September, did their thing, but overall as a team – and I think we, we didn't lose three games in a row till like the last week in September. Yeah. Or two weeks till the season ended. So that was one thing. It wasn't just one guy all the time. One day it was Mike Cameron. One guy is Brett Boone. Then it was Joel, you know, Joe Olerud or whatever, whoever, Mark McLemore, whatever it was. It was just a, a chemistry that, you know, and then after games, before the trips, we're all going to eat, have dinner together. It was just something special that, but obviously we ran into the Yankees, a more experienced team. They've been in the playoffs for the past four or five years. And then, you know, we, we got our work, you know, we had our, you know, we won our first game, but from there on, those guys turn it on. And Freddie Garcia was a big part of our rotation. He won two games out of those, you know, so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, we ran into a, a Yankee team, but yeah, it, it's great memories of that one sixteen. And like a funny, I got an email two weeks ago about that, the reunion or something they're trying to plan for this year. So they are planning a reunion. Yeah. That's what it said on the email. They're trying to get everybody to kind of, you know, whatever, trying to, so we'll see. That would be cool. Yeah, like to cool. celebrate there in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that was that, that was a that. Yeah. that was a historic uh, season. I mean, Ichiro had one of the greatest rookie seasons no, ever. 
Yeah. Um, that, that guy was just a, a hitting machine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I remember all those guys that you mentioned. Mike Cameron. I mean, that year we could have had two MVPs with Brett Boone and Incher. You know, it was just a matter of those guys. It was just like one, one hit one, the other one hit one. One hit one, the other one hit one. It was just amazing, an amazing year. Like I said, you know, the pitching staff we had with Jamie Moyer and Freddie Garcia and Gilmesh and all that stuff, you know. And who was, who was, your, man, who was your manager that year? That was Lou. Lou Pinella. That was his last year, if I'm not mistaken. Then he left 2002 to Tampa when he got traded for Randy Wynn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure whole, that, I'm sure yeah. that made Randy Wynn feel great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love you, yeah. Randy. He's a good friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's a good, good player. Uh, he he, uh, he killed us when he played. For, I'm a Dodgers fan, so he killed us when he okay. played for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, unfortunately for the Seattle Mariners, I mean, they've not made the playoffs since that that 2001 season. Um, what do you think's gone on? And, and have you, have you kept up with, with Seattle? It's, you know, do you still kind of have the, you know, obviously that's where you debuted. They drafted you. Uh, do you still hold, you know, hold that franchise dear to you? Of course. I mean, they gave me my first opportunity. They gave me my first chance. And, you know, I came up as a 21 year old. And as a matter of fact, two years ago, I was working with Seattle. They, you know, I had me like being a, an, an assistant to the pitching coordinator so I, I did a little things going to the Dominican League, going to Double A in Arkansas, and just trying to spring training and work with some guys. But that whole next year is when they started the rebuilding, where they traded everybody away and everything that happened. So I never got back to it. But I loved being part of that. I, you know, I still keep Dan Wilson still works with them. I keep track with Dan Wilson and all these people because, like I said, you know they, you know, they're the, the organization that gave me that chance, that opportunity to be, you know, to give me start my career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite teammates of yours? Any, any characters that you, that you played with that were just, you know, kind of, uh, your, your best buds or, or any, any kind of characters and stories you could tell us? I mean, I, there's, there's tons. Like I said, I never, like I said, I, there's not one guy in baseball through my years that I can say, I, I hated that guy or I couldn't stand that guy. I, to me, I never, like I said, in Seattle, obviously Freddie Garcia was my, when I first got called up, he was a guy that. Hey, come live with me. He bought me my first couple suits. I didn't have a suit, things like that, you know. And then Mike Cameron, one of the, and Eddie Guardado, two of the best teammates. Everyday Eddie. Everyday Eddie. You know, two of the best teammates later on that you have in your in your career. But like I said, Edgar Martinez, what a great mentor. Dan Wills, Jamie Moyer. There's so many guys that I can go to. Then going to Boston, being with Mike Lowell, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Jason Veritek. You know, I was able to play with a big group. Next thing you know, going to St. Louis. Pujols, Yadi Molina, Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright. You know, it's just, there's so, been so many people around. I've been lucky, you know, to, to be part of good teams and especially going to Anaheim. You got Torrey Hunter. You know, you got people like that that were just amazing. Mike Socia as a manager. You know, I, I had Terry Francona in Boston. Then, you know, I had Tony La Russa in St. Louis. Wow. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, That's it, a good run of managers. Lou Pinella yeah, to start. I'm telling you, yeah. I mean, then I had, yeah, I had, uh, Penella, and then I had Bob Melvin when he came in. So it's just, you know, I've been lucky to have good people around me through my career. What was Lou Pinella like? Because you, <laughs> you, you see, you see, uh, you know, footage of him all the time where, you know, he's getting into arguments with umpires, he's throwing bases and stuff like that. And, you know, messing up home plate and covering it with dirt. And you don't see that much of that anymore. I mean, I think instant replay is kind of uh you know, that ruin, away, yeah. ruin that aspect, right? Of the of the manager getting in the face of the umpire. Um, what, what what was Lou Pinella like to to play for? He, 
definitely old school manager. One of the more intense managers I ever been. I mean, especially me as a young guy, I, I would sit down in the dugout and do whatever. He's like, Hey son, Hey son, come here, son. And I was just, and then he'll look at you. He's like, all right, just making sure you're ready to go. You know, just <laughs> he'll, he'll intimidate you by just calling you. And then he does some crazy thing on the field. He comes in the dugout. You like that guy? You like that? Huh? How do I look? <laughs> you know? So he, he was a great players manager. Like I said, him and I mean, like I said, Francona, Larusa, and and uh, Sosha, but but more intense. It was like Lou Pinello was at that level that it was like not that you're you're kind of scared of him, but you know he's not gonna do anything bad to you. But he gets you he gets you scared enough to kind of all right, let me concentrate on what I gotta do. Make sure I don't miss a bunt play. Make sure if I gotta throw a pitch out, you know what I mean? Because you know, especially as a young guy too. Yeah, definitely. Um, do. Uh... Were there any uh, hitters that you faced that kind of were just always just giving you a hard it's funny, time? This question was my <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, Joe Maurer, man, I could, that guy I could not get out and unbelievable. You, you and you wouldn't be alone too because he killed everybody. I, there was a series like one of those series that you pitch, and the thing is, I did another podcast a little while ago, and I see if I can find the numbers, but. It, it, it was like back-to-back series. He got six hits off of me and six at-bats. And I was like, and I would throw like, I think the guy knew I was coming or he had, he had something on me because I did not strike him out once. That's the, like, I did not strike him out one time. It, that's, it's crazy. I'll tell you because, all right. Cause I mean, they told me, they reminded me these numbers and I was like, this is unbelievable. All right. So he was 16 with 20 for 24. No, no strikeouts. And then, then you get a guy that he sends me, you know, in a or whatever. He was five for 39 with 12 strikeouts. And the only guy with more was Hank Blaylock. Wow. So you owned a, you owned a, a rod. I was pretty good. I, I, yeah, he only got five out of 39. So it was funny because when he retired, somebody sent an article about, you know, it was like Burley, Bartolo, some of those guys. And I was like, Oh, that's my name on there. Like I was number two on the list. And I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, it's crazy. I mean, you never expect that at the end. You just, you, sometimes you're out there working later on, you start noticing that like, Hey, you're doing pretty good against this guy. Same thing against Mauer. like, I got to face Minnesota. I didn't care about Minnesota. I care about Mauer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was... guy, yeah, it was, you know, crazy. That yeah. guy dominated me. Well, Joel, thank you so much, man, for joining us. This was awesome. And you had some really great insight on, uh, what we've seen this year in terms of pitchers, you have a very unique perspective being a former major league pitcher yourself. And um, I do really appreciate what you said about making sure that there is a even playing field. And that obviously starts with having a substance that is approved by MLB and the players union, but also having the ability to enforce these rules. That's also, it goes hand in hand with this, with this issue that, that major league baseball is facing. And it, it'll be interesting because now say if they do umpires, this whole pace of time, how long are they going to go out there and investigate the pitcher? Or I thought they want to speak the game or does, is it before he warms up? I mean, that, they got to come up with something that is going to be quick. Is it the first base? There's a home plate umpire or what, how do, do they take everybody's glove and scan it on their machine or something or a hat? You know, it's, it's, Oh, we have to wait two or three minutes. Instant replay. Hold on. We got to make sure it's put it in a box and like at the airports, let me put this, you know, wipe it down with a paper, put a thing. Okay. It's green. It's good to go. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be interesting. It but like seems I said, like, hopefully it gets, you know, to the even playing field for everybody. It seems like everything, Rob Manfred has tried to do to speed the game up. It's actually slowed the game down, which yeah, is weird. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joel. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you joining us. 
All right, guys, thanks for having me. Take care. Let's do this again sometime. For sure, for sure. Take care, Joel.